Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of this season of Euphoria. I'm your host, Dracos, joined by my boy, Cadrill, and our special guest for the week, none other than Oda Wamne, who continues his tour of broadcast responsibilities after his tragic defeat. <laughs> quite tragic, um, yeah. Yeah, quite tragic. Glad you could be here. That's the really the, the best part of you losing, so... So you're telling me, so, so you're telling me that if, if I wouldn't have lost, I wouldn't be here? Well, you, that's exactly what we're telling you. you. you practiced, <laughs> yes, I mean, probably, yeah. You would, would you have said yes on the Wednesday before your big semifinal or final appearance or whatever? Of course. Hopefully. Oh, yeah, shit. He's, he's the homie. I'm a man of the been, people. We might but not have invited I, you because you would have had to be very tight-lipped, though. You know what I mean? You yeah, would have tried to keep maybe. your secrets for yourself. You would have been like, mm, is Yone good? Broken Blade? Hmm, question. Hard to say. Bro, do I But now you can, you can let it all out. That's true, because I'm actually feel. practicing Yone right now. It is my new champion on the list. Just, oh, shit. What, what are you practicing it for? You've got like four months. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like I'm, I'm going for a massive rebrand going into the next year. Oh, okay. I'm only going to be playing champs that you don't expect me to play. So, yeah. Like so you're going to be carry top? Yone, Akali, all mm-hmm. of the hipster champs that you would never, ever associate with me. Actually, I was playing nice. Yasuo yesterday. And mm-hmm. I was like, how hard can this champion be, you know? And I was just dashing through the minions and stuff, thinking I was really cool. But then I was realizing that I was just not hitting the enemy, you know? So I was just dashing around and I just died to like thin air, you know? So it sounds like it's going good. Yeah, yeah. it's great. And, and like 20, in 29 more games, <laughs> and I, I think I'm going to be fine to, to dash through minions with Yasuo. It's I like think the that... rebrand comeback playing carry tops only announced that you just hit your 22nd birthday, like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I need to do the the, the thing because I I don't know if you guys know, but back in the day there were like so many people when they were trying to like hide their solo queue accounts and everything. They mm-hmm. would even make like fake Twitter accounts, you know. I think uh, when I was mm-hmm. in Schalke, Abe made a fake Twitter account, um, and he was just following everyone from like uh, what's it called the Turkish from TCL. He was just following everyone from TCL, had the TCL name and everything, TCL bio everything. And he somehow got to like 1,000 followers on Twitter, and that was his like fake solo queue account. And he was just what? like, what? He was going for the for but, the mega fake, you know? Yeah, <laughs> because you crazy. because you don't want people to look any deeper, right? And if they like Google your account name or whatever, and they find a Twitter account, then they're just yeah. going to assume it's a TCL player, and they're not going to look yeah, any further into it. Yeah, because everyone, they're, they're, scouting is so easy now. Because the thing is, they just look at. They just look at the scrim hours. So if there's an account that doesn't play in the scrim hours, then it has to be an Elysee account, you know? So you need to you need to throw another curveball. Yeah. I respect the commitment from Abba. That's Dage. crazy. Like, I've, I, I feel like a lot of pros have lost that because I was just Googling Mad and Fnatic accounts the other day and like 80% of the accounts are... Yeah. Like I could just yeah. Google Hillisang account and bam. Actually, Hillisang is one of the harder ones, but like Humanoid, Razork, they all just play on their mains for the most yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, it's easy care. to find them. Find them these days. I mean, I don't know. They have these like algorithms and stuff that they look, and it's like, is there any account from Diamond Two Plus? It's gonna get it's gonna get sniped in like two days. Yeah, that's still I also crazy. Imagine if they're if it's like the Riot accounts with high MMR, they look at like five games played, and then they see that the like the account is an unnaturally high MMR, or has only played like five games ever, right? And has come in at level thirty, so it's probably pretty easy to spot every single Riot account. Yeah, account that has been given and they also have the 
they also have the riot ID thing. I think even though they removed the the league, the thing from like the the league website because you could go in the old matchmaking thing and you could mm-hmm. like you know look at uh, not matchmaking match history, and there was like a riot ID there always. Um, and now I think they can still do it with some mumbo jumbo. But uh, yeah, I mean when you're level thirty with zero normal games, and you have like maybe. 10 rank games and you're in masters it's kind of easy to get sniped mm. yeah people are gonna people are gonna figure it out pretty quick um regardless i forgot to mention this spotify apple podcast youtube soundcloud as always is where we're available it's weird to continuously say that every podcast episode because if you're <laughs> hearing that you have to be listening to us on one of those platforms <laughs> that's that's true but uh in the event that you're seeing our face and you don't want to see them or vice versa you can swap from youtube to something else or from something else to youtube i guess is the value proposition there so i think the most interesting is odo like you're in your off season now and we're going to talk about montpellier shortly but to just shoot the shit because i think this is my this is the part of the podcast that i know some people look forward to and i always enjoy this like so you're still a league andy in the off season i know a lot of players who are just like no they just stop playing league completely and we'll go play, I don't know, Starfield or Baldur's Gate or whatever for like three months and then come back two months before the season starts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I will play some other stuff, but see, the problem is that I'm just a workaholic. So if if I don't grind league at least three or four hours or five hours every day, I'm going to feel mega guilty, you know, even though it's off season, because I feel like I'm, I'm just mega slacking if I don't do it. So, mm. um, I don't know. I, I have plenty to do league-wise because, I mean, I can practice some some champs, get some new champions ready and set up for uh, for new season. Yeah, so, wink, wink. Uh, I mean, come on, man. How funny it would be. You guys are just going to vibe there, casting the game and everything, and and you guys are like, oh, look, it's 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 the grandpa, 29 years old, recently added Yasuo to his champion pool, if dashing it, around, doing some spinny-spinny. If it works... I would love to get all of the historic interview clips of like between like Prawley and every other coach you ever had basically being like, yeah, he plays Maokai, like blah, 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 and like run all those together with like dramatic, sad music and talk about like the rise of Odawamne before clips yeah. of Yuriyasuo. Because <laughs> I feel yeah. like you started your career getting to do fun shit and then you've just kind of been for like you've had some metas where you've gotten to play fun shit again when like rumbles come back or cannons come back etc but then mostly you've just been always always back to tank duty always the dog champs i feel like that's that's the life of top lane i feel like it's funny because if you look at every every rookie that comes into into lec you know um i mean it might be a little bit bad taste but uh let's look at the shigenda example um Mm. because when i got uh replaced um, they went into some interviews. I think the the guys over at uh, at Koi or Rogue or whatever uh, it was, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the Shagenda, he's here. He's gonna be the carry we always needed, you know." And then one month and a half, there's an interview saying, "Yeah, these carries are not working, so we're gonna try with tanks, and then we're gonna try to build up again on uh, the carry playstyle." I'm like, I feel like it's always that it's not like a Rogue or a Koi thing. I feel like it's just the general vibe around top lane where. Everyone as a rookie or everyone as a new guy comes in, tries to pop off, do these like crazy things with carries and stuff. But then the moment there's like some unwanted volatility in the game, they're like, hey, what do you think of Orn here? 
you can <laughs> we can we can engage you know pull some triggers and stuff and it's cool or like they're gonna go to a drake situation and then your mega fed camille is is gonna die to the dead ball because you can't find the flank because they have five people on the pixel and they just like right click you when you jump in and they're like mm. even though you are really fed it just seems like you couldn't find the angle to fi to find a good team fight here. Wouldn't it just be easier if you just hang out with us here and you know you just front line tanks MCC? Oh look, your ADC is very very good and he has three items. He's gonna dish out some damage. You just need to keep him alive. And the thing is, when they say all of that, you're like, the biggest the biggest bait you can you can do is like is just say, mm, yeah, we can try because the thing is, once you say we can try. It's 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 over. You open like Pandora's box and you just get sucked into this like vicious cycle of just playing tanks and weak side and all of this, and your identity gets lost forever. You were the Yasuo guy, but then all of a sudden you became the Orn guy. <laughs> to be fair to Shigenda, he was like stuck in the middle zone. Like he has one Orn game that he lost all year, one Malphite game that he lost all year, but then he's got like a ton of Cassante that he's losing on, which is his tank duty. So then instead of becoming a carry player, he just became a Nar. Yeah. And uh, when you become the NAR, you're a bit of both. I think you've become the NAR a few times, haven't you? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I have. But the thing is, this <laughs> is not to like throw throw shade, you know, because like I think in my first year when I was like in uh, when I joined the the ULCS, it was back in the day. Um, I was only playing like Irelia, Jackson, like you know, Mega Carries and all this stuff. And then the time, yeah, all the Irelia was like. The the seventy five through damage was mega bonkers, but I was playing all of this stuff, and then I don't know. I feel like with time, your responsibilities just kind of change because I feel like um, there's just so much volatility in the game that they just say to you that oh you need some consistency or something something less volatile a little bit, so you need to play something that uh, yeah it's just not as explosive. So that's where. Yeah. Your identity kind of changes because I was the Irelia player, you know, I was the Jax player and all of this crazy but champs. I, I think that, like, the way League of Legends progressed as a game, right? Like, it felt like to me a lot in those eras, kind of up until like 2015, 2016. Um, a lot, it was a lot more about individual performance and individual matchup. And I feel like people yeah. are just way better now, you know what I mean? So, like, if you want to play a champion who's a lot more about like what they can get done in the individual matchup, you know, Jax is whatever. Um, or, or something even like Jax isn't even that much of a psycho pick, right? But like Aurelia Yasuo, yeah. whatever. Like you have to yeah. womp mm -hmm. a stomp in a way that is not only good in the con isolated context of your lane, like it used to be in like season two, season three, but like junglers do things now. Like yeah. it, it's not, we're not just impressed. Like Diamond Prox walked into the enemy jungle and everyone lost their mind like how is he allowed to do this <laughs> he's crossed like, that was that was that was <laughs> innovation <forbidden> <laughs> like what did he do what you're allowed to do that like people will just camp you like people will go top and play around that lane people will split the map like the game is yeah. so much more fi like figured out but so much more complicated now and some of that is just like patch changes too right but at the same I, time i just, it's just i mean hard. you're right because i think there's a lot of theory because i remember on uh when we when we made like world semis uh, in H2K, I feel like the way I would approach my matchups is completely different than now because I would look at those matchups as like, you know, completely 1v1. Oh, I have winning matchup, you know, I'm going to push. Yeah. There's just so much less theory. I wouldn't think, um, okay, do I want to crash three, bounce on four, 
Uh, sync with my jungler, so he ganks on 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 wave five. He's there. I can force a freeze wave six. I mean, it, it is the LS meme, but that's kind of how league works now. Because I'm like, now if I have to prep a matchup, you know, if my coach asks me, hey, what do you need to play Jackson to Renekton? Uh, I mean, I need to say, I, I will say to him, I mean, just get ready for cycle game. Every time I call my jungle, he needs to drop everything to come. Uh, every time he jungles on top side of the map, we need to do something. Because if I miss one trade timer or anything, then my matchup is completely screwed. Um, we need to invade every camp or like do the thing where they do three waves, proxy four, invade all the camps on top side and all of this stuff. And back in like season five, I was just like, hey, is your matchup winning? And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> oh, great like, who gets cryo me okay good. <laughs> yeah who, who yeah, gets go, cryo the greatest question <laughs> yeah go in go in your matchup top laner and yeah. i think it was just a lot easier and that's why it was easier to play those matchups because right now league is just so theorized that there's a yeah i mean as you said the, the, there's there's a jungler the jungler will do some things <laughs> yeah before well, i would also... just put a ward and nothing would happen yeah, I remember, like, this is way back, but if you ever go back and watch old League of Legends videos, this is my favorite thing in the world. Like, people will get pushed in a lane, and they'll just sit there and, like, <laughs> wait with the wave push under tower to get a single auto. Like, they will not use their priority to place vision. They will do nothing with their prio. They will play exclusively for their yeah. own lane for one auto. And it's, like, my dream. The only way I could ever be a professional player would be with the time machine to go back and explain priority <laughs> to someone playing in like season two, season three. <laughs> and it probably wouldn't work the way months. I think it would work, but I would be like, you could be a genius. If you just go back and you're like, hey, once you push the lane, you can leave and put a ward down. You know? Like, and then... <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I remember the meta where it was like, I think season four where you would buy like 13 potions and one ward or nine nine potions and two wards yeah support items weren't a thing you like maybe yes. bought a fairy charm <laughs> so so guess what i was doing with my 13 potions and a ward do you think i would just do something with that ward <laughs> no i would just put it in the brush next to me i'll use 13 potions and just push and fight that's the that's the most i was doing that's some my real God. that's some real lego legends none of that cs doran shield second winds hide on the tower bullshit Ten potions each, fight to the death. No one's allowed to leave. Flat AD quince, and I was here to win lane. You know what yeah. I mean? I had one, <laughs> pages, one with armor, one with MR. I had my GP with 4% crit or whatever you could get. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a League of Legends Worlds every year, the VOD stream from every year yeah. up until the run up to Worlds. I was watching like season three a couple of weeks ago. That was a baller. Season five was yesterday. Now we're on to season six. So, bro. <laughs> You're eating That's dinner, you're bored, you don't know what to do, boom. Old League of Legends World Championship <laughs> live stream. Pop it on. Yeah, was I was so bad back then. Like, I feel like now, if you take any player from Season 13, it's going to clap any player from Season 5. Probably. Yeah. Because just like, like... So you're saying I'd have a chance. <laughs> so like, Season uh, 5, Baker, in World Finals... You let me know. We go back together, we look really good. I mean, Season 5, Faker, World Finals versus versus like... Pedro Malzahar, 2023. I, I, I'm giving it to Pedro. Pedro Malzahar? Yeah, bro. I'm giving it to me too. Holy moly. <laughs> so when <laughs> a time machine no, is made, I will win a disrespectful world. comparison, <laughs> yeah. though. It's so disingenuous. So no, you're, you're saying I'm better than a past. Yeah, I mean, it's how, it's how the game progresses. Like, the sheer quantity of things that you have to know to be a viable mid laner in professional play these days is, is astronomical. 
And it only gets more complicated as people figure out more and more things about the game. And eventually, if we if the game never gets patched, it would probably be quote unquote solved. But like there's always something new to be discovered, which is cool. I was looking at my at my games a couple of a couple of like months back. I was looking at the game from like season season five, I think it was like one of my first games in LEC. And I'm like, holy shit, how is this guy a pro? He's so bad. And, you know, back then I was thinking I was the shit, you know, I was like coming into the league, bowling. I was like, yeah, rookie. I was maybe like top two or top three in my role. And I was like, holy shit, I'm so good. And I look at those votes and I'm like, holy, this guy's a bot. (laughs) Wait, can I drop F-bombs? Well, you know, it's up to Matt, our wonderful producer for the day. We'll maybe have to censor Mm -hmm. them out or Liz if Ah, she's (laughs) We got a a lovely crew who are going to, you know, dip the audio on that maybe a little bit. We'll see. (laughs) I think you want to do. (laughs) Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Keep them, keep, limit them, I would say, generally. Um, the other big news, and Mark, I'd love to get your take on this um, before we start to talk about Montpellier, is Asia Games. Uh, a little bit Ooh. more information came out today. When this is, is that? Mo- so it's uh, September 25th, 6th, 7th, 8th, somewhere there. So like three weeks from now. Yeah. yeah. So part of the reason World is yeah. later this year, obviously, is to allow for Asia Games, which is a huge opportunity for uh, any of the countries and players eligible to play. Um, that said, the the rules came out and they're kind of wacky oh, the uh you know the, the, yeah they're playing on patch 13 12 uh like 13, no 12. Best of five finals. that was not i think 13 11 was peak static shiv degeneracy Holy so this shit. is still slightly peak static shiv wait what wait. um 13 12 was uh that's the regular season very that, yeah that's that the was very between nerf. regular season and our groups patch so our regular season was 13 11 and then it was 12 oh. and then i think that's ivern i think that's the no really i messed think up that's ivern patch maybe i think that's the the wukong vi meta jungle like it didn't oh. get nerfed yet with zeri yumi just got nerfed lucian got nerfed and then like Wait. kaisa just got buffed and shift what, is still what was strong. uh lpl playoffs patch then lpl playoffs was 13 15 i think so they, they're 14? They are going 13? mega back in time. We're the only ones on 15, as far as I know. Oh, oh maybe the regionals. Time from time. Maybe some of the 14. smaller regions. Anyway, 13-12 is... Is there even a TR with 13-12 on it? Like, how do they get <laughs> I, don't think, I don't know. Someone on their committee probably has to go to Riot and say, can you set us up a server with 13-12? Well, which Riot I assume like, will bro. be responded to with... What? But No, they would just get a calendar and be like, buddy, it's September, not June. Like, what the... It's just so <laughs> random. I think that like the funniest thing about this, the saddest thing about this to me is this is like, uh, you know, obviously don't know what goes into planning the Asia game. So I don't want to like totally rag on the on the committee behind it. But it's just one of those things where it's just like, if you don't know a lot about League of Legends, maybe get some expert input. Because when you say we're going to play on 13-12, like, and for, for the players that are playing, again, it's their mixed teams from some of the best players in the region, mostly looking at... Um, China and Korea here, LPL and LCK. Um, the other regions, there are other regions playing, but obviously, uh, like the big ones that we're going to look at as Western fans are those two. It's like mixed teams, but those players are going to have such weird whiplash yeah. coming out of Asia games and then straight into Worlds patch. 1312 is the most OP shift patch. Like, it's complete. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was one of the. Sh- I think 13 got nerfed a tiny bit. That's what we were no, playing it for no, group. Yeah, 13. We starting to play LeBlanc. Bro, 13 13 is when they removed the 125% AP scaling on the minion damage. 
1312 it has a plus 125% AP damage to minions. <laughs> it's going to be so you three static ships on every tree. Yeah, you yeah, everything. Not... <laughs> oh my god. Wait, what do, Wait, what do you even win? What do you even win if you win Asia games? Because I know for Korea it's, it's OP. games, buddy, not Asia games. <laughs> yeah. Because for, for Korea it's OP because you can skip military service if you win. But if you're... Yeah, that's... I mean, the military China, service what do you thing win? is... I, I just pry honor. What do you win when you win the Olympics, right? It's like, that's true. I mean, in my country, if you win the Olympics, you get like, you know, a subsidy from the state for the rest of your life, you know? I mean, that might, I don't know, what, but I believe that, that it's not like the Asia games don't give you, as far as I know, anything other than the medal and the prestige and the honor. It's up to the individual country how they want to reward their respective like, athletes. So, yeah, I have no idea. It's interesting, though. I mean, it's still, it's like cool, obviously, to represent, rather than just representing T1 and the LCK, like you're a representative of South Korea. Like, that's got to feel super cool for the players. Yeah, but really this, cool. this to me is like, that's a roughie, you know, like, oh, God, the different patch, like everything else. But we hmm? do but need to be high, though. like Asia games, you know, it's like Kanavi and Ruler coming out of JDG playing on Team Korea. Like, how, how hype is that? That's cool. The Faker and Chovy, like, it's going to be sick. It's yeah, I think it's going to be a banger. It will be hilarious to watch every possible champion that could be that could abuse Static Shift get picked at some point. Because we kind of we kind of only hit the iceberg domestically. It was like Kaisa LeBlanc mostly, because mostly like people were pretty much just banning those champions, and we never had to reckon that much with Static Shift because we played on thirteen thirteen. We had like two weeks of Static Shift being the worst thing ever. But how deep? How deep can you go when Static Ship is permanently OP for an entire brand with Static Ship? Yeah, brand. It, it's just every AD carry has to build Static Ship, right? Yeah, it's gonna be different. Asia Games exciting. Yeah, imagine, like, month. imagine Zig's wave clear with Static Ship. You can't <laughs> siege. Like you just can't do it. Anivia, like you can't. Powered play. auto with Static Ship, bro. That's some damage. <laughs> You're cooking. The game will never end. Yeah. Oh my god. And then maybe it is good they have a best of three final instead of a best of five final. Only best of three? Oh my yeah, best God. of three. Yeah, That's again, crazy. like a little bit, just kind of weird decisions. But Yeah, what is going on there? Like, what the hell? Six patches, seven patches out of date? I mean, best to me, it just reads, it reads like people who have maybe organized, who have not organized League of Legends tournaments or who have to make concessions on the League of Legends tournament because of the schedule or whatever. It doesn't read to me like we've developed the most optimal format and it's best of it's best of three finals. For me, it really looks like they're like, what was it? They decided in June, hey, are we locking in this date as Asia Games? Yeah. What patch is it today? 13-12? Okay, lock it in. And they just sent it. Commit. You want a stable version of League of Legends. And, you know, 13-12. That is it. They've had the, the, a lot of those bugs will have been solved, presumably. So there you go. The most stable version of League of Legends, maybe. I don't know, man. Regardless, that's Asia Games. This weekend, boys, Montpellier, Monty P. Montpellier. Montpellier, Occitanie. If you speak French, I'm sorry if you're personally offended by that. We've just had a million people correct our pronunciation, so I'm just inclined to pronounce it worse every time. <laughs> Montpellier. <laughs> yep. Good job, Mark. Monty P. I'm going to call it. Anyway, Monty P. This weekend. Uh, of course, first there's the EMEA Masters Finals. I haven't watched a lot of EMEA Masters Finals or EMEA Masters this year, but as you know, K Corp is there, which is pretty hype. But otherwise, we have 
three teams, Fnatic and Mad, are going to be playing each other in the semifinal on Saturday. Winner then plays G2. How I'd love to do this today. There are a lot of people out there who are just coming in for end of season, I think, just to see this big spectacle. So I'd love to help give them an understanding of kind of each of our teams and what people can expect as you guys are both, you know, you're my experts here. So like, let's, I would love to start with Fnatic. What do you guys think about this Fnatic lineup? Obviously, the second best of five that has gone all the way to five games, you know, the first one being the one that tragically eliminated Odawamne's chance to <laughs> not be on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, that sucks, man. I wish I, I could have dodged the podcast, but here I am. Here you are, trapped here with us, rightfully yep. so. Um, it's been double five-game series. Wonder subbed in this weekend. It's just been a really weird journey for Fnatic. Uh, Mark, with you first, like, how are you feeling about Fnatic? What do you overall think about this team? What do you think is important? They're um, they're playing with Wonder for Montpellier, right? Yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah. As far mm, as I, I understand, think... I mean, it's up to the team. They have both, right? He's an emergency substitute, and I assume that if yeah. Oscar is feeling well, but short of Wonder also getting injured, I don't see any reason why Oscar would play. Yeah, it's hard because Wunder played four Renekton games in a row. So, like, uh, I don't know if he's like he did that on purpose because of their series uh, against BDS, and that was like the best pick you can play into Adam on a blind pick because he was blinding a lot, uh, or he just wasn't like suited to meta champs yet, and he just wanted to play like super comfort. And Renekton's pretty easy, I think. Um, but yeah, I think Wunder's slotted in pretty seamlessly. Uh, I think probably if you took every single role of Fnatic and told me I have to sub out one player for any player that's available, I think I would always choose Top and Wunder because um, he's played there before. Um, the way Fnatic worked before was they just didn't have any sides to play through. But now I don't even feel like they play through bot that much. Um, I think the thing that two things impressed me the most. Number one, Trimby's Nautilus is really good. Uh, this guy was just full sending Nautilus on blind picks on blue side like with no... No fear of getting counterpicked by things like Braum or anything like that. And he was playing super hard engage. Uh, the draft they were playing in the last game where they were playing like Syndra Renekton into Azir Esriel, I was really worried for them. I thought that if they lost one fight, the game would be over. Um, but yeah, even playing Nautilus into Braum, he had like really good engages. So Trimby on engage supports, good. It's getting better. Was scared on the, on the patch change for them. Um, but to me, I think the standout so far has always been Razork and Humanoid. Uh, it's interesting how like their dynamic at the start of the year was uh, they're the problem in everyone's eyes, and now they're the solution to everything. Um, the AP junglers for me are kind of like... I, I, I like the idea of AP junglers with Talia Cartes, especially if Wunder's going to play Renekton a lot, and Humanoid's like a, uh, playing a lot of Jace too. Um, so I think they've got a lot of styles underneath their belt, which is good. Hmm... He also plays for Sana. So what would I say about Fnatic overall? Uh, I think they've got a very safe top laner who can basically play anything, I guess, after another week of scrims. I think their jungler is really good in early game. Like Razork's plan making in early stages seems really good. Um, their support seems very flexible in this meta. And um, Humanoid just looks like one of our best mids again. I think he, in season finals, is just... Uh, his lane phase is really strong. He's really reliable, especially in that XL series in the last two games on Tristana. Kind of like... Uh, was a hidden carry. Uh, but Noah's been a bit invisible for me in this, uh, in this season finals. It's not like the Noah of old where, you know, he picks his um, he picks his Aphelios and his Zaya and he just pops off. Uh, I feel like now he's been a bit more tame. You know, I mean, he had like a hundred and something KDA in the first couple weeks of LEC and everyone was talking about Noah, Noah, Noah. Uh, but if I had to put any point of criticism in Fnatic, I would say that Noah 
doesn't look as dominant as he was. And maybe that's because of the meta change in support. Or maybe it's because Trimmy's leaving lane a lot more, which he definitely is. But he seems more like um he seems like he's giving up a bit more than he was uh, getting. Yeah. So I like that this dude game. He did have yeah, he did have the yeah. really solid edge game. Uh Odo, as someone who played with Trimby, I'd love to get your thoughts on the like Trimby range versus melee support discussion that people get into a lot. Like I think people range anywhere from he has a preference for range supports, you know, to he just can't play melee supports depending on how strongly yeah. they feel about this point. Like you obviously play with this guy for a long time um and experienced with him. How would you describe like his champion pool and his strengths as a player? Do you think this is actually a weakness? For him playing these more melee engaged focus supports or is it just like a preference for range that he has uh, i would say yes i mean it's a bit weird because i think him as a player he just really like the times he plays best is when he feels like empowered and he has the liberty to to pick what he wants because um i mean there were times in in rogue when we were playing together that you know nautilus was like like he's a really good Nautilus, you know, and Nautilus was like a great meta champ. But if you if you'd not be if he wasn't feeling it and he wanted to play something else, if you like force him to play Nautilus, he wouldn't like like it so much, you know. Hmm. Um, because I know he he's he's really a player that's kind of like streaky and in the zone. And when he gets to get the ball rolling and play his confidence chance and play the chance that he wants, he's popping off really hard. But for me, yeah, I mean, he always struck me as enchanter a little bit more than 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 melee uh nautilus was always there as you know as the safe reliable choice where you need like a beefy boy or someone that can start the fight nautilus is always there so he always liked playing it or like for most of the time um but yeah i know he's just really really creative and if he if he gets to pick what he wants he will pop off but if he gets forced to if he gets forced to play something he doesn't really want to play he might terrorize it a little bit but yeah i mean i don't know he seems like he's in uh, he has a lot of confidence right now um he's doing he's pairing very very well with with uh, with Razork that's something that he was trying to do in rogue a lot and when it worked when he was pairing with Marang he was doing really really well uh, but a lot of time we wouldn't really do it because I feel like our focus in or our identity in Rogue was a little bit different. Everyone was kind of like a lane focus player and uh, he was kind of forced to sit in lane and do a lot. But right now, he, I feel like he's kind of unleashed to just run around the map, especially when they're doing this thing where they're kind of uh, stabilizing both lane. Noah has a mm-hmm. pick that he can just uh, play 1v1 or 1v2 and then he gets involved himself a lot a lot more with Razork around mid lane or even top lane i think that's kind of where he shines the most yeah it's interesting because when fnatic were successful at the start of the season as you mentioned mark like a lot of it was bot lane a lot of it was no and a lot of it was Razork just endlessly going bot lane and now it feels like a lot more like leave noah on the island and free trimby up to rome that doesn't mean he's not getting pushed. There were games where he's just solo playing Aphelios and getting pushed and Trimby's just got good timings, right? But like, it's it's crazy to see the shift because I think the only thing that this Fnatic lineup really did for a lot of early summer, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is just like Noah. Noah show every single game, partially because Noah was performing well, but also they just funneled resources into this guy like nobody's business. And even in your series against them in summer, like the one game where they actually like smashed you guys, um, Odo, was like, um, Razork Poppy gank bot five times in a row and the game is completely unplayable. Yeah. So so it's kind of like 
it's weird. It's weird to me to see that shift, but I think it's also cool, Mark, because to talk about what you were saying, like, I think this Tristana, the Tristana Jace that has remained popular has let Humanoid look like an absolute turbo smurf in yeah, so many yeah. of these freaking games. I think something they did in early summer, actually, if you watch their games and I think about it, is they would actually just lane swap their bot lane out of lane like at like seven or eight minutes really early. And uh, as much as it's like obvious to contest Herald, I feel like nowadays it's less common to just full lane swap your bot lane and just put them top. I'm not sure what the reason is, but I just see it less and less and more. I see like 4v4 stand downs and like whichever AD carry wants to move to secure it, the other one just stays. Uh, but yeah, I remember seeing Noah Filios a lot of the time. I don't know if it was like because he's played a Filios and he got certain guns and then he wanted to lane swap out of lane to play, to like gank the enemy top laner through lane and then get Herald or something. Or if he had more like agency with those champs. But yeah, they, they definitely involve Noah in less plays overall, I would say. But it's like there's a push and a pull in league, right? There's a give and a take. And I feel like you've taken away more from Noah, but you've given so much more to like Razork and Humanoids with Trimby just picking Nautilus and like um standing in bushes and finding enemy jungler in bot jungle and just like i mean when he plays telia he was getting uh first blood and stutch in that bds series by Trimby just waiting in the river for him and just getting uh, picks um but yeah i feel like a lot of our teams have similar styles they just have uniqueness you know like bds's uniqueness is their top laner um g2's uniqueness is their innovation i guess like the amount of stuff that they come up with um mad lion's uniqueness is for some reason they lose early games but their 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 team fighting just seems to be a way for them to come back into the game, and frenetic. That's I, hmm. uh, some of those uniqueness points didn't feel quite as good as the other. One of those uniqueness points sounded kind of like not a unique good thing. Well, if you, I mean, we'll get onto Madeline soon. But if you watch the early games, it's always confusing how they're like still competing. You know, they're they're like one k down on average at fifteen. Like they yeah. they never get a first tower. They never do anything in the early game. Uh, but then their team fighting is for some reason just really good. Um, what was I saying? Uniqueness. Oh yeah, Sorry. for Fnatic. Uniqueness. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know what the uniqueness of Fnatic. I guess like the the styles they bring. I guess they they were scrimming a lot of G two, and that's why they were playing like Cartus uh, and Talia. Um, I mean, I know Talia's OP, but we haven't seen it much. But maybe no, I mean, I I think the I mean th that's their own personal thing because the thing is when we were having our bubble, like you know, a week ago when we were screaming both G two and Fnatic, G two is not was not like doing that. This not is just Cartus. like. Yeah, it's just the fanatic thing where, I mean, he was playing Kindred. He's the only one who played Kindred this split, you know? And then it was just like, okay, mm. let's try to branch out a little bit. Because you had own Kindred, sure, now you need to kind of figure out some more. Because Talia, Talia was always like a champ where everyone's like, is it better jungle, is it better mid? And Razor is like, you know, uh, I'll just play a jungle as well. Um, just to get the flex going. Because especially on red side, if you get Talia 1-2, you're getting terrorized in that draft a little bit because you're never going to see where the Talia goes until 5 pick. So I think Fnatic's uniqueness is just kind of Razork champion pool a little bit because, you know, the the, the, the Kartus is coming out, Kindred is coming out, uh, Talia is coming out. And yeah, yeah, no, just how they distribute resources. Because I also feel like why Noah's getting hung out to dry a little bit is also when your mid lane is Jace or Tristana, it needs a lot of attention because it's probably the biggest win condition of the game, uh, mm. those two champs. And you kind of need to ensure that it doesn't fall behind and that later on in mid-game, you know, it gets this time and it needs on side lane to ramp up and catch catch waves and collect some tier 1 or tier 2 gold. 
to to be good in the game. So when you do that, your ADC is kind of just receiving and just vibing. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting because I think Fnatic are so good and Humor is so good at just hoovering up every little bit of farm in the mid game. When I compare that to um, like G2 playing Tristana, for example, although my most recent memory is Caps just absolutely kind of griefing it in their game <laughs> too, so maybe not the best memory. Um, but uh, it like their their resource distribution is much more even across the board, whereas it feels like Fnatic are very deliberately like putting everything, mid-game at least, into the humanoid basket in terms of just getting this man as much money as humanly possible. Yeah, I mean, you can still see their tendencies to play both, like in the Jinx game, where, was it against, yeah, it was against you guys, right? The Jinx game, where they got, like, they got like three or three or four kills early in bot, you know? And uh, I think when they play those hyper carries, they're still like leaning to both sides. But I feel like when you're playing like uh, Kai'Sa and Ezreal and Zaya, you can kind of find your own way into the games. Um, it was funny because... Sorry, it was funny because uh, that's one of the games where I think Jinx was, yeah, 3-0. But then it seemed like they're not really doing much with their pressure because um, they got the lead on, on on Jinx and they're like, yeah, but our comp is still kind of like around, playing around mid lane so much uh, with those champs in that series that, I don't know, I, I feel like if you took Fnatic from maybe regular season, if you give Noah three kills on Jinx, uh, well, my whole map is getting pulverized, you know. Uh, that guy is going to be like a wrecking ball and he's just going to take out all my towers. But in that game, he was 3-0, but it felt like he was 0-0. And we were just kind of vibing and then we just randomly made a comeback. Uh, and that's maybe because of how they changed their identity a little bit, how they shifted away from bot lane. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it could be something that is not so great because I feel like when you have 3-0 Jinx, they should have run away with that game quite easily. Yeah, that's yeah, like... That's an interesting point, just because I think that it's not something we often get a chance to look at, but like maybe the how rigid Fnatic actually are in their approach to the game, because we look at it, look at it as like this smooth transition from one style to another, which it is. But like if you can't go back and do the things that you were doing at the start of the summer when you have the tools available to do it, not like they immediately need to start playing around bot every game, but like when there is a game where it can't set them up, that is something that like could be problematic especially as they go up against better and better opponents as we get deeper into this tournament, right? Like if Humanoid can't build an advantage, if the pressure against Caps in the mid lane, let's say, for example, if they beat Mad, isn't enough for them to build an advantage there, but they can get something done bot, which admittedly hard against Hansama Mickey X, not being able to transition that will cost them greatly, like it did versus you guys when you were able to mount a comeback. And certainly against Mad, who, as you already highlighted, uh, Mark, great team fighting team, uh, and against G2, who are pretty consistently uh, able to find ways back into games and else like their game and like their game two versus mad, they've like completely thrown it away. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about uh, Fnatic is, yeah, mid-jungle meta is so good for them. Like Razork's playing every game, he's playing AP jungler every game, even if it's a carry or a tank, you know, it's like Maokai, Sejuani, Ivern, Kartus, Talia, like every champ is AP. And um, yeah, Humanoid being able to play Jace for Sana just makes that uh, a lot easier. Um, feel like he can have more agency in like terms of how much push he has in the lane when he plays those two yeah. champions plus Azir. So it feels like they will always get pretty good mid push. You know, it's not like, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, the mid meta was very Nico, Annie, Azir, LeBlanc-ish, you know, where you're kind of like a mage engager. But now I feel like in EU, at least with these AP junglers being available for mid game skirmishes, it's better to play Shana Jace because you have more push, more more ways to get yourself involved. Um, so yeah. That's why I didn't like the Kai'Sa too much. I just felt like the Kai'Sa for Humanoid was more like a, I'm going to be a passenger's game, guys. I'll be useful later on. And then the game just starts to fall apart. 
Yeah. Yeah. It does feel limited because the only two eighty champions we've seen be really good thus far are, are Jace Tristana, right? And like very frequently the Tristana's taken off the board, which means you yeah. kind of know exactly what Fnatic are gonna take, right? Like me you Razork is obviously the wild card there because he's already thrown us two AP champions and who knows if there are any else. Uh, I do feel yeah, like Fennec is 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 kind of easy to I don't want to say easy to read, but if I'm drafting against Fnatic this weekend, I feel like you know exactly what they're going to pick half the time. Like they're yeah. 100% early rotating. If you them. give them 80 jungle, they're going to take 80 jungle and they'll take one yeah, of their AP babies, which I mean is true of any team, but like they will always, I think, take 80 mid. Right? Yeah, covering off Jace for Sana feels necessary. And then when that's down, thinking about Azir and like Nautilus is going to be slammed, Renekton or Orn is going to be early slammed. And then like whatever the S tier AP junglers are up from like Talia down to like Malka yeah. and stuff like that. You know they're going to slam that too. Uh, they'll pick Zaya Filios if it's open. If they drop, they'll probably play something safe like Ezreal. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like Fnatic's probably the easiest team to read in draft. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like I feel like top lane. It's going to be limiting in, in a way because I'm like, you didn't play for for like six months, seven months. You're going to come in and you're probably only going to be playing Renekton or Orn, I think, because uh, realistically, how much can you cook a brand new pick? And also, how much patience does the whole team have to, you know, can you pick on top lane? Because I feel like uh, we can pivot a bit to the earlier discussion where it was like, you know, the team is there and they're like, okay, how about you just play a little Orni here, a little Renekton, and yeah. you just uh, and you just vibe. So I feel like well, it is a recipe for them. It's like, you're probably going to get a prior mid, one, two. You're going to pick your jungler, um, pick on or Renekton, and then just standard kit, standard income. Maybe you want to take Trimby off of uh, Nautilus and see what else he cooks. Because, I mean, on engaged support is, is like outside of Nautilus. And what else is there? There was another one. Um, yeah, Alistar, Rakan. Which will be contested. I mean, Rel is... I mean, I don't know Jungle how Trimby Rel is. I, I, actually, they won, I think, with Rel a couple of times against us. But yeah, I feel like he had a lot of Nautilus games. I'm like, I'm curious what happens if you take him off. But yeah, it, it does seem like they're quite limited or well not limited but like really easy to predict because i feel like you can cook something quite easy given uh, what you've seen in the last 10 games from them yeah so based on our discussion it really feels to me like if you're watching fanatic or playing against fanatic you're really just looking at jungle mid mostly support a little bit and then kind of just we're assuming that wonder is going to fill in the gaps and noah's going to fill in the gaps they're going to take whatever's available Right? Is that is that a fair read? No, I would say. Like, I mean, you look you look at it. They played like Nautilus at almost every game. They played Renekton almost every game. They played Jace Trusana every game. It's up and Zaya Filios is his bread and butter, right? Unless they want to do some Kaiser flex or something. But yeah, I think easiest to read is probably Fnatic in terms of what they'll do. And it's not like it's a bad thing. I just think they're just playing really heavy meta style, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just. And also, when you sub in a new player, again, like Odo said, it's like. If you're cooking at all, you know what I mean? It's probably within the style you already have. Are you really going to try to build like a whole new play style where you have a top laner that's a substitute that ha didn't practice at all with you in early summer where maybe you were doing something different? And again, Wonder's got a pedigree, but there's difference between conceptually knowing something and having almost that muscle memory to consistently execute it in game well. Um. Yeah, so Fnatic predictable, but I mean, I still think they're solid. Like, that's, they yeah. are good at what they do, right? And they are still a force to be reckoned with. And I think the struggle of this weekend, right, is that um, our most recent evidence for Fnatic is them winning, admittedly, in a pretty close series. And we look up at, at MAD, and our most recent example of MAD is them getting 
pretty much pretty much just beaten across the board. Game two, obviously, I, I would attribute as a lot of mistakes from G2, although many could say the same thing for Mad in game one. And there were closer games in the series. But overall, we've just watched Mad lose and we've just watched Fnatic win. So I guess that I'm hoping that you guys can help me like reset expectations for mad from a fan perspective because since they're coming in off a loss i feel like they might be a bit underestimated how good is mad right now when they're playing well do we need to be worried about chasey top lane because he just came off of getting pretty much entirely blasted by broken blade for an entire series he's playing against wonder it's very different like what's what's the read on mad lions Bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. This is the worst question like, ever because it's it's Mad like the Lions. it's like the let's reset Mad Lions expectations talk number ten of the year. It's like oh, they beat this good team and then they got absolutely destroyed. What can we expect? And that happened like ten times this year. So it's like yeah, well, they beat XL and like uh, they they outperformed XL and then you go, you go to G two and it's like well, they won a game where G two was completely running the whole game down. Like yeah. it was the most disgusting thing I've it's ever actually, seen. Actually, it's really nice to talk about Fnatic because they consistently do a thing. You know, you can set expectations for the audience, for yourself. Hey, if they get these things, they're going to do well. What what, what the hell do Mad need? What is it in draft or in game? Because you Let said it, they lose every early game. What, what the hell is going on with this team? Let me run you through some things. Summer split starts, they win four games. Okay, they go on an eight, nine game losing streak. They're in the season finals. They 3-0 XL. Second place. Then they go on to the winner of finals. They get 3-1 by G2 and one game G2 was trolling. So the only like positive they've done in the last few weeks is they 3-0'd XL and yeah. uh, they locked Worlds. And even then, I feel like it's a little bit of an asterisk on, on its head because, I mean, I feel like we kind of fell off a cliff when it came to, to summer uh, to season finals. I feel like uh, we were a lot worse than we were in like the regular summer split thingy. Um... Even in our in our series against Matt, the first two games they were getting they were getting like dumpster really hard. Those early games, the way they were losing early games was was way too much. I feel like for you know normal good quality League of Legends games, I feel like if you get this far behind, you don't get to win those games. And game three, they kind of abused me a little bit, so uh, they won early game and they did really well, but. I don't know, I feel like they're still there, even though they 3 0 us with their recent form, the way their early games look, they, their early games still look kind of bad. Like, I still haven't seen them get the good early games in. On the Chasey question, I feel like his summer uh, or season finals, or like ever since summer split started, his form has been quite poor. Because even against us outside of game three, I think he was not having as big impact as he used to have in like the previous uh, splits where. I think he won one uh, All-Pro in spring, I think. So he was in really, really good form then. And I feel like ever since summer came, his form has been quite quite lacking. So I don't know, man. But the thing is, every once in a while on a blue moon, Mad Lions comes back and they're like the best team in the world. So maybe it, it happens this weekend, even though I don't see it happening. I don't know what to expect. I still feel like... Given how much they're losing early games, I, I actually see Fnatic winning the series, even though uh, Wonder has been only playing with the team for like a week and a half or so. So I'm like, I don't know, man. Mad Lions is an enigma that will never, ever be solved, ever. Yeah, I agree. It's it's like even in your XL series, they were getting bodied in two early games. Second game, they should have lost just like clutch play by the Severe. The G2 series, I mean, they got... 
destroyed game one, G2 yeah. trolled game two, and then game three and game four were like kind of close until they weren't. Like um, the whole like uh, Zillion Azir stuff was was really cool, but yeah, I don't know. It got to the point where I mean the the Swain pick was doing a lot of work. It looked like uh, the Swain yeah. pick was actually really intelligent. I think. Uh, yeah. Broken Blade's name is something to do with Swain on the solo queue ladder. It's like G2 uh, something bird or something. And he's got like most three-eyed Swain. There you go. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I like this whole mad thing whole year long. It's just been an absolute head, I need head a, blast. I need a montage <laughs> of every time we've tried to talk about mad this year. Yeah. It literally always starts with somebody groaning. And I agree. And you know what's annoying? Is like when I, I that one week I did interviews for LEC, I talked to Mad and I was like, what's up he's like oh you know the team is great when el yoya and hillisang work together and it's like how do you make that happen and he was like i kind of we kind of like look for a team to emulate to get them both on the same page and my as an interviewer is that i should have asked okay what team are you emulating now and maybe we'll get a chance to ask that this week if that's still their strategy but it just i feel like even mac and like the mad lion staff are just trying to like engineer a way to desperately trying to find the formula to get these boys to be consistent and it's just like not happening because it's crazy because like i would love to talk about the great games that Carzy had which is kind of what we were talking about coming into the g2 series because while their early games were rough he was doing a lot of work late game like the silver was looking pretty clean but then even then it didn't really manifest in the g2 series and it's like i'd love to talk about elioya as a player that we've historically talking about but he's had a pretty shit year or at least a shit summer, let's say. A shit year is probably not fair to him. Um, so. Uh, he's been struggling. Peak, peak Mad Lions. Let's, let's, let's pretend Mad Lions come into full form then. Just a thought exercise. What if Mad Lions are performing? And again, I know this is hard and this sucks. But I just, I just want to talk about, let's assume we get the best version of Mad Lions. What is, what is this team actual weaknesses? What do we actually look out for? It's a lot of El Yoya Hillisang, right? Yoya Hill is saying Niski more than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like also like when I think back to classic Mad Lions, especially like MSI when they're playing T1, I'm like, oh my god, maybe they're gonna win games. When they play like setup mid, Niski, I feel like it's just a really good setup mid player. And I know you can play mage and stuff like that in carries, but like when he's playing Lissandra, TF and stuff like this, Telia or whatever, Elioya just looks like he can do whatever the hell he wants. And then Elioya can play a carry like Lee Sin and stuff, and then magic happens in mid and then it gets transitioned to sides, you know. But magic can't happen that much in mid anymore because you're just playing like an AP jungler and Yoya has to play either he's on Ivern duty, he's on Maokai duty, or he's on gank everyone Poppy Jarvan duty. And that's it. I mean, there's not much they can they can really do in games when El Yoya feels like he's playing a tanker. He's playing like Ivern, he's playing like Jarvan, he's playing like Maokai, he's playing like Poppy. So it's either a case of one find a different style so Elio can play carries and they have more setup mids, which is not very meta, which kind of sucks, but they can try and pull it off. Or two, Niski plays more AD mids. Um, but I feel like they have to find a new style because this mid-jungle, uh, Yoya's summer has been awful. It's like, not that he's playing bad or anything, but the level that he was at versus the level that he's he's at now just doesn't feel like it's it's doing Mad Lions any favors in that sense because... I don't know. The meta just sucks for him. There's nothing he can do on the whole map, the whole game, and he's just getting perma-invaded. Like, he just tries desperation ganks top against G2 to try and make something happen, otherwise the game's lost. And I feel like he's trying to put out so many fires that there's nothing he can do. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think the best thing for me so, so far on Mad Lions is Carsey. I think the Carsey's been... Yeah. It's interesting because I'm wondering, like, 
Yo-Yo's obviously spent a lot of time top lane trying to get like Chasey rolling. And I'm wondering if that's Mad Lion's read is like, okay, Yo-Yo obviously wants to, we need Yo-Yo to facilitate in this meta. Niski isn't going to be our focus. We want to snowball chasing. If that's just like the lane they can snowball. And I wonder if like, if you're going to play Jarvan, if you're going to play a lot of these like early ganking junglers, um, if he can just go bot and snowball Karzy, like if that's an option, if the team are ready to do that and try to play it around that, I know it's not as good in this meta, um, but we just want something consistent, right? Yeah. But the thing is, I, I think the reason he spends a lot of time on top is because most of the top matchups that he's been playing are on fire. I think first two games he played uh, against us, it was like, I think, Renekton-Nar, second game. I don't know what it was first game, but I think it was Renekton-Nar again. It might have been two games of that. And it's just like, top is kind of volatile, you know, so you can't really ignore it. And they were also on, kind of on the losing side. Um, game three against us. It's like Camille Nar, so Camille needs help or she's going to fall behind. So it's, again, kind of high demand top lane. Um, G2 series, I think they had the Renekton-Kled game. I think the one they, the, the game they won, the second one, was really, really good, I think. He matched Yike a lot on top lane. So it's like yeah. most of the top matches that they're playing demand some sort of attention because I, I haven't seen him play, you know. Like, sure, if you have a Cassante versus Nar or something, you can ignore top. You can go both and do whatever you want. But they're kind of opting into these matchups that that require a little bit of jungle attention. They, they might also feel like it's an easy way to get the lead because even though Elio has this high-resource jungle or like this scary playstyle jungle, um, even if he plays like Sejani or Mauka, if he gets one kill, I think he might be that high resource jungle, you know? He might, all of a sudden, yeah. Mauka is a mega carry or Sejani is a mega carry because she's just like, uh, she gets like an influx of gold. So they might be trying to do what you guys are doing to, you know, get Elia rolling, but because honestly, the easiest way to get someone rolling is to go top lane because less wards... Top laners are we're kind of stupid. Uh, we're kind of always going to end with our wave and stuff. I mean, we're going to get baited by a plate <laughs> or something. You know, we, we get distracted by butterflies quite easily in the, in that sense. But on bot lane, there's like there's 15 wards that you have to cross. You're going to walk through mid that is going to be awarded. And I don't know. I feel like it's just a lot harder to kill bot lane. But yeah, I, I think if they maybe go back, I think they ha Matt had a phase where Chasey was just playing, you know, self-sufficient counter pick top. Uh, play like a Renekton versus a Cassante or a Gwen versus a Cassante or a Cassante blind pick or whatever. Something that just doesn't need any help. I think that's when they were doing the best. And when they started going into this, uh, let's put some resources top, uh, it kind of went bad. I think he had some Jace games on top lane that were kind of okay. Just because, you know, if you have like Jace Poppy or something, you can you can cook a lot easier with, uh, with, uh, with El Yoya when you also have like tools to do something on top and winning top lane 1v1 yeah. but mm. when you're picking the losing side of a volatile matchup and you have Elia needing to cover you I feel like it's kind of the same as playing to your lose condition you just try to prevent the enemy winning by defending your lose condition yeah. instead of playing yeah. to your actual win condition which I feel like when I look at this mad roster is it's a little bit like the fanatic thing where it's just like you should have Healy with Elia holding hands forever and your win condition is both because you have Niski, who is a great facilitator, I think. He's not the same profile as Humanoid, where he will just suck up a lot of resources and make some magic happen. He's just going to, you know, find good windows to 
to sacrifice a little bit of his resources to get the rest of the map ahead. And I think they should be doing this to both. So I don't know. I feel like mad as long as they're doing this thing on top where they're picking volatile matchups. I feel like Elia is gonna be constantly forced to go there just from the nature of how it looks like. Yeah. I mean I like I like that call out. I would love to see them play more around the bottom side. And the uh, the philosophy of playing to win as opposed to playing not to lose, I think is I mean, if their plan is to bring out the magic that Cadrill highlighted earlier, where it's just go behind early and then team fight late, if that's actually their strategy, <laughs> that's some magic. Fall behind, you know, two thousand gold and then bring just it back pick and, and, fight. and scale, buddy. Yeah, uh, then maybe covering your weak lane makes sense. But I'm not a big fan of it because it feels like you're just wait hoping that your opponent isn't good enough to snowball the game, but. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what version of Mad we get this weekend, and if we get the best version, if they'll take into account any of the things we've talked about. But um, Mad remain, I think, an enigma. The last team, maybe one of the easier teams to talk about, obviously, is is going to be G two Esports. Um, they had, I think, most people would call it as a oopsie game versus Mad, um, and I think mostly because mm -hmm. Caps made like some. There was just a lot of questionable decisions from G two, like blatantly bad decisions in that early game to give Mad the lead. Mad did close it out pretty cleanly um but g2 i think still everybody's favorite still looking like the strongest over team overall like how do you guys feel about g2 right now what what actually makes g2 good uh i just think that they have some of the best players in every role in the whole region like i think bb is like just a cut above all top laners right now uh, in my eyes just in terms of how he plays his lane and like what he's playing you know he's playing so many random chunks. Even at was it MSI? He was playing Cassiopeia top and stuff like this. Uh, mm. He's playing Kled. He's playing Swain. He's playing Yone. Uh, so I feel like he's got that all of these pocket picks that you never really know what he's going to pull out. You know, if I told you top meta right now was uh, you know whatever it was like Nar, Renekton, uh, Orin, or whatever people are normally playing in, in terms like that, and he's playing like Kled, Swain, Poppy, Yone. It's like, well, what does he look like on normal champs if he needs to play them? Um, I think Yike is just, I mean, he, it's interesting how Yike is like, he plays his carry junglers and then loses. Then he plays normal junglers and everything just feels a lot more stable. Uh, G2 have been trying to pull off this let's play for jungle style twice now and it's not worked. Well, um, they've tried two, a two AP junglers and both of their version of AP. Maybe they'll pick up the Karthus this week, who knows, and or the Talia and replicate some of what... Um, Rasmus I think their drafts were. I mean, their drafts when they traded this, this AP jungle or just, which is which is bad. Like, yeah. I mean, you talked like, about this on the desk this weekend, right? It's kind really? of really. Yeah. I think it was bad. It's even like kind of fake data. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's terrible because you're losing two v two top. You're losing one v on top. So, top unless you ever unless you find the two v one, you're never ever gonna win top. Hmm. Just just from that, um, it's just like no setup. I feel like. It's weird. It's kind of like the thing that uh, the fanatic did, where they had like own cartus. It's like you're having three three losing lanes that don't have any volatility. You can never get the enemy in lethal range, so the cartus pick was useless. You know, so it's yeah, it, that I one I agree like... with one hundred percent. But like um, that G two one with the fiddlesticks, they had like Tristana mid, which I thought like that that's push. Then they had like Jinx Nautilus into Rakan, so I was like, well, I guess they could get pushed there as well. But it was just top that he had to cover all the time. Yeah. That was like the problem, I guess. But it's just mm -hmm. like you look at it and you, I mean, sure, they have like win conditions, you know, it's not like they have zero win conditions like uh, Fnatic did, but it's just like when you go from having, you know, 
50% of your plays or like 60% of your plays are good plays to only mm-hmm. having 20% of your plays as good plays. Uh, it takes a lot of a lot more brain power in the game to cook, you know, to figure out how to push the enemy into your win condition when your win conditions are so narrow. So I think the fiddle sticks pick was was good, you know, but I would just just would have liked to see something else on top instead of the cled because I feel like you needed some less volatility and something that is actually maybe winning one v one or two v two. Because for example, mm. what was it? It was Renekton Ivan versus Cled uh, Fiddle. I mean, when I look at that, I'm like, okay, you're going to lose Herald. Um, you can barely make plays on top unless you find a vision gap and stuff. And they're good enough to find vision gaps and everything. But it's kind of like, you know, you're making it a little bit harder for yourself uh, when you when you kind of don't need to. Because I don't know, I feel like if they had like something else on top, it would have been, it would have been a lot easier. But then yeah. again, you're, you're going, like BB doesn't like playing, you know, Cassante or stuff like this into Renekton when I feel like BB thrives a lot more when there's like this volat- volatile matchups where he can involve the Ike and make some magic happen around his lane. Yeah. Or just matchups that just winning 1v1. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like they can, I think they will pull it out again because I, I think in theory it was, it was, it was a nice try. But I would have liked to see maybe a little bit more adaptation on either yeah. bot or top with the Fiddle yeah. Sticky. There's some things about G2 which just like make things for me really interesting okay so i'm just going to list some champions and these are champions that g2 either have played extremely little or they don't play at all okay so zeri like hansama has two zeri games this year and lost them both and like he never leans into that champ ever uh yike hasn't played a single game of iron yet like he, they haven't tried that iron style caps isn't picking his ear he just doesn't pick it you know uh, he plays tristana leblanc nico jason the season finals and before that you know, he was playing crazy picks. You know, he even played things like Lucian, but, you know, uh, Syndra. But he doesn't play that much Azir. You know, I feel like these champs, Azir, Zeri, Ivern, in isolation, are champs which win games for every other team. Like, they will always play Azir lanes. Like, you guys in XL loved Azir. I feel like Abadaga Azir was, like, yeah. really, really clutch. Zeri was one of your most played as well, wasn't it? I feel like Patrick was playing a lot of Zeri. Um, yeah, it became first pick for us, I think, at some point throughout the throughout scrims or uh, this like season finals. I think Zeri became like our highest prior pick. Yeah, yeah. Broken Blade isn't playing Orn or anything like that. I mean, he had one Cassante game uh, this season finals as well, which was like insanely good. And he can play like a really good Cassante. But if you look over the course of like the year, he doesn't really lean into like the, the Orns or the, the default top laners to like play standard or safe. There's very little standard champs or scaling champs that G2 play. And so um, that's and why I think their drafts are unpredictable because you would be like, well, picking Azir here on three is good on red side because Jace or Sun are banned. You know, you can ban out whatever you want. But no, they'll just pick something else. And that's what I think is the hardest thing about G2 to prep for. Yeah. And I mean, Dylan was pretty explicit in saying this last week when we had him on the show, right? Is that the goal that the team agreed on before Yike even joined the roster, before they even decided on Yike as a jungler. Like the thing that they agreed on was they want to be an aggressive team. And when you tell me Zeri, Azir, Orn, those are not the hallmarks of an aggressive team. Not that you can make yeah. plays with them, but it seems very clear that G2 do not want to. Ivern as well, yeah. Even maybe to a fault want to leverage any of these scaling picks, right? Like I can see a world where there are drafts where these scaling picks are more optimal and they're maybe staying away from them because it's just not how they want to play the game. Um, I don't know if they're going to be put in a position where that's going to hurt them at all. I don't. I, I don't think so. Uh, at least based on what we've seen in the games thus far. But it is. It's a good call out that this is something that they've just clearly 
avoided just about uh, my bad. Yeah, I did play Ivan, but they haven't played it yeah. since group stage. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it had the one game, right? Yeah, he had two games. Uh, it might just yeah. be Parma banned because I feel like he was popping off so hard in the regular season. Uh, with because uh, I feel like there was always this meme, you know, that he's only winning on three champs and only three as in the you know the three mm. in the forest. Uh, he was only playing like Maokai and Ivan, and he was just popping off on those champs twenty four seven. Ah, yeah, it might just he... be that they're just Parma banned. Your series, your your eight or whatever games it was against them, you guys banned it every single game yep. since the BDS series. It's interesting, but it's dropped off a bit. You know, they weren't like um, like they they had a game against BDS the first game. They were blue side. They gave it over on red side. You know, uh, G two never really was it. Banned uh, was the it a low button in that one? Uh, let me have a look. Uh, yeah, BDS the first one? picked rally. Yeah, yeah, because the thing is, um, I mean, from from what I know and my read and their philosophy and everything is like. I mean, they're just going to put... Uh, they don't care about Ivan. Mm. If Rel is open, because Rel just counters Ivan in the jungle. And then yeah. it's just like, you, you, then you don't care. You can you just you break your the shields. Play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, I, I feel like... I don't know. It's, I feel like it's not that they're limited. That they're not playing this chance. I just feel like... No, no. They cool. have a different philosophy. And... Yeah, yeah. They're very they're... comfortable playing into the OPs and, and countering them. Because I feel like there's not a lot of teams that would like to take this, for example, rail into Ivan and stuff. So it's like, you're either ready to play it or you're just mm -hmm. from a banning Ivan against well, G2. That's the thing with G2, yeah. It's clear they're very proactive on attacking the meta. And you see this a bit from Razrock on Fnatic as well, right? Like they brought out the Eve to try to answer um, the Ivern, right? Like obviously didn't work. Well played by BDS, get line prio, shut the Eve down early, make that champ look absolutely useless. In a similar vein, Fnatic are bringing out the Karthos. We've now seen the Fiddlesticks come out against it as well. And so... Hmm. Yeah, I like that they're constantly trying to attack meta picks and they're clearly cooking. Obviously, there are going to be games where it doesn't work and they're cooking a little bit too much. But um, yeah, I definitely That's wouldn't look at it as as a weakness until there's an until there's a clear moment where it like where one of these picks was the optimal pick and they're not hmm. not willing to go towards it. But because of the position they're in as clear favorites, it's like hard to call the lack of desire to play these scaling picks a weakness ever because clearly they don't need to. Yeah, it's just a case of also how deep is um, how deep is this pool of counterpicks. Like the Lissandra support into Rakan was, I think, exceptional. Like that that pick just looks super strong into Rakan. Uh, they're playing fiddlesticks and Yone and stuff like this. Um, you know what else is there? You know, like yeah. I mean, there, there's maybe some Nocturne draft or in the jungle. You know? Yeah, it's interesting because there is a lot of like solo queue practice that. Um, like, I'm surprised we haven't seen more Nocturne because there are a lot of our junglers who are playing Nocturne in solo queue. Mickey had been spamming Lissandra in solo queue for a long time on a visible account, right? It's like not even a hidden. It's just like the the main account under his name, G2, whatever anime character he's decided to be this week. Um, <laughs> you know, like, so uh, I'm curious too, like how quickly G2 are turning over these new picks. I don't, I haven't looked at Yikes as closely and like how much how much solo queue in this lead up time is indicative of something we might see versus like how much is completely hidden and is only being seen in in scrims you know or or secret accounts in solo queue if they're able to keep those secret yeah i mean as a philosophy i mean because the thing is that, uh when i worked with dylan in in schalke he was like you know if you put if you have a lot of solo queue games you can first time it because you did your research, you did your homework, you can you can do it, you know? But mm -hmm. he does like to have, you know, 
this process where it goes from solo queue into scrims into 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 stage. So yeah, if there's like solo queue games on it, then most likely it could come out, or he has the, the Dylan seal of, seal of approval. That's how we get picks like the Vein, iconically the Lissandra. <laughs> True. Now I think joining in there, I feel like sometimes like he's like the circus leader. I feel like I think you see that from him because he's willing to let his players play these picks. I think he put he, he has to put himself in that role so much more often than a lot of the other coaches yeah. I see where he's like, all right, explain to me why. Jarvin's support is good in this. Like every day Jarvin's support's not even that great. Kled support, you know, like why are we playing Kled support this time? Okay, they, all right. They, they probably have like an internal form you have to submit when you yeah. try to be champion. <laughs> a like, Google form. A Google form. The Name of the champion and role. And most recent. Why yeah. is it good? What is it good into? And then we'll get upload back to you within three to five working days to let you yeah. know if you can play and this chick in scrims. And then upload like a five document presentation as to why you think it's good, where you think you'll pick it and how we should incorporate it into the team. And then we have a meeting the next day and they go through all the picks of the day. You know, it's like, let's look at it's like <laughs> fan mail. They're going through the, so Mickey, uh, what do we got here? We got the uh, Rakan mid. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think you overestimate pro players though. I think if you want your players never to cook, that's what you do. You make them fill out a five page document. Every pro player I know would like give up. It's like reimbursement. Pro players like, would be uh, that committed. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Reimburse things. I mean, if I, tell it, you, <laughs> if I tell you, Odo, you can yeah. play Yasuo next season. I'm your coach. You know, all right, we'll try Yasuo. We'll scrim it. We can, if it's good, we can run it on stage. But I'm going to need you to submit a five page paper and make a presentation to the team on why Yasuo is good. I mean, Are you still that excited about Yasuo? I mean, I kind of had this in Excel this split. <laughs> when Amol became OP, I went to everyone. I said, I have never felt so strong about a champ being so 1v9 as Rumble is on dispatch. And I had to do a presentation on Rumble on why it's good. So I take it what back. Your Pro players are much more committed. I am not that committed to things. This is what I am learning from this discussion. I had, I I had to make, what was it? What do I need in the game? What's it good into? How does draft need to look like? Mm, how do you like to play scenarios? Do you need? How do you like to play lane? Do you need ganks and everything? So I did have like a four or five page presentation on Rumble. Cute. It, yeah. it did get the seal of approval. I, but, I remember I did... Oh, it would have been nice to to dodge to dodge the presentation <laughs> and just go a little bit on have, have a little faith, you know. I mean, you of all people having to convince people to play Rumble when that's like one yes, of your most historic picks yes, is man. kind of, is kind of <laughs> especially funny. that. Like, see if it was Yasuo, and you look at me and you're like, "Did you ever play Yasuo in your nine years of play?" No. Okay, make a presentation. Yeah, Do the work so we sense. can see you're dedicated to it. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Imagine three six nine having to give a presentation to play like Orn when it's not like the most popular meta pick. But You're see, like, the thing is, people have this bias because, for example, if I would say, "Hey, I want to play Malphite," everyone's like, "Yes, yes, lock it in." But if it's like anything, <laughs> anything, champions brain that they know exactly. They read the kit one time, they understand what the pick does. If it's a tank, if I say I want to play a brand new tank, everyone's like, "Oh." You're, that's so nice of you. Go play your little tank. Be happy. But if I say I, I want to play something that is not a tank or a little bit of a carry, they're like, mm, um, you, did you play 20 games? How many games of solo queue you have this year with this <laughs> champion? Mm, okay, make a presentation so your teammates know how to play with it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's good due diligence, at least. It makes sense when you're <laughs> trying to inform the teammates when it's not just pitching to the coach. I remember yeah, uh, in Excel, I did one presentation because my team was dying to ganks 
every single scrim, <laughs> re like level three ganks, level two ganks. <laughs> I had to sit there with like 20 different junglers and talk about their fastest ways to gank bot mid and top. And then like um, teach them uh, like the timing windows that they'll get ganked. Because they were like, I like asked them, I was like, what time do you think you're going to get ganked bot if it's a level three gank? And they were like, well, I don't know, I'm just laning. <laughs> I'm just like, perfect. <laughs> did it work? Wait, they, it's like they, season they, five, yeah, season yeah, six it worked. Auto. Really? It, it worked. worked. It worked. Oh, I told them all the timers and stuff. And uh, I don't think they learned anything. They just like realized I'm really upset that I'm making a presentation about them dying to ganks. And they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll try not to die to ganks anymore. And then eventually <laughs> after a few weeks, it started again. So I was like, you know what? Shit. <laughs> Goddamn. Hey, at least they respected you enough to be scared of you when you were mad and try to pay attention. That's something. <laughs> I was like, look at this blue grump red. Where is he? He's like, oh, he's bot. Yeah, okay. Now don't die. <laughs> I but I mean, know. back in those times, junglers were psychotic. I remember I was playing, and then I was playing. I remember I was playing against Broxa, and I was red side, and a little Broxa does red into gank top. So he just did Classic. one camp, did the mega sprint to top lane, dodge all the wards with Jarvan, jump over all the walls, gank top at two twenty. He was right there killing me, and I was like, "Well, I don't know what to do." I've seen. I'm just, I'm just bad, I guess. I've seen my bot lane on red side. On blue side, sorry, die to a Skarner that does blue buff into bot. I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen them die to it. Blue buff into bot on red side. It works. What is he? Uh, Q? What is he? W E Q E? Yeah, what Q -E is he? What just abilities up, does he have at level up, two? Flash E auto stun dead. Oh my Perfect. god. Absolutely. That's Shout out to yeah. whatever bot lane you played with, bro. That's that's a roughie. That's a scrim you don't come back from on, emo on an Patrick? emotional level. Was it Patrick mm, EDC? No, it wasn't Patrick. Okay. Depends on Patrick's Patrick. mood. I'm just trying to think. Uh, when, Pat when Patrick's feeling it, bro, screams are over. <laughs> yes, yes. Bless yes. him. Uh, anyway, on subject to G2, I, I think just to close out G2, G2 are the clear favorites right now. We'll see how deep the champion pools go. They're not infallible as we saw in game two. They, they make mistakes, but so far they have always recovered from those mistakes. So it's just like they are the clear favorites for this weekend. It is safe to say. I hope we get five games. I hope someone can figure them out. So it's a so it's an intense final. But I think that based on the inconsistency of Mad and the relative predictability of Fnatic, I feel like putting any other team as your favorite is kind of crazy. Fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. So wait, you're predicting G2 to win? I was going to do predictions after Twitter questions, but let's just do predictions now. Oh, let's do Twitter we... questions. Oh, yeah. Let's do predictions now, then Twitter questions. Yeah, yeah. That we, can do, we can close out on, on Twitter questions. So prediction now, I'm going to say Fnatic over Mad because despite the fact that every time I predict against Mad, they finally manage to show up and win. I still don't. I can't. I cannot believe in this team. Mac even gave me their secret mm. formula to success in a public facing interview. And I I don't know what team they're going to emulate this week to get El Yoya and Hillisang on the same page or whatever. But like I, it's I don't believe it. I would love if they win. I won't be surprised, but I can't bet on Mac. <laughs> or sorry can't bet on can't bet on mad not mac love you mac um so yeah fanatic going to the finals facing g2 losing to g2 hopefully in five games could be as little as three though yeah i feel like the easy prediction is fanatic and then g2 so you know what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say fanatic and then fanatic and then they're gonna win the title and g2 is gonna flop the finals like last year Next week on Cajal's Twitter, announcing partnership with Fnatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a week. banger. That's a banger prediction, Mark. I'm not gonna lie. That's that's. Nah, uh, you gotta be a bit wild with it. You know, I feel like G2 winning is like probably gonna happen, but you know what? You know what? Like yeah, yeah. Well, throw me a Fnatic wins. Wonder comes in, beats his old team, like takes. The
fuck trophy after being on the bench he's, for he's six months. He's just absolutely blippoing it right now. I mean, Wonder was uh, was there in Malmo last year. He lost, and now he's been cooking for six months on the bench, preparing yeah. for this moment. And now he's mm-hmm. he's back at the mm-hmm. at the, at the he's next land. He's coming. here, mm-hmm. and then, Wonder uh, and Trimby, you know. Enemies turn to allies. Last finals, yeah. Trimby had to slay Wonder. Now they have to tag team to take down. It's it's really it's really just Avengers Endgame if you think about it. And G two are <laughs> Thanos if if you think about it. It's just all the heroes coming together. I'm sure there's you know? a there's a photo like Hawkeye. Humanoid finally motivated. Wonder Rassork finally playing Razork finally allowed to play carries. Noah just got here. Doesn't have really any place in this rivalry, but he's here and he's having a good time. Trimby. You know, former yeah. champion there to reclaim. I'm just saying. Yeah, no one's like the Endgame. Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, he just rocks up. He's like, oh, like, yeah, let's fight Thanos. <laughs> All right, sick. He's Rocket. Touch of Caps. You know, you guys always know that picture of Caps when he like looks at who was he looking at and he was just smiling with his like dorky face. The one that everyone loves. What What is it? He was looking at Yankos. I think it's a, it's a pasta from last year or something. Yeah. When he... Every time he's trying to explain the joke and he just looks at you like this and he's like super happy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there, there, there has to be a Photoshop of him in like in Thanos about to like snap, snap his fingers and just obliterate everything, you know? So I don't know, man. I think Fnatic will beat Mad because I, I don't know. It's just I, I'm feeling it. But I think G2 will win. Even though, I mean, for the sake of it, I'm just going to say Mad Lions against Fnatic and wins the whole split. There we go. No, the most malicious thing That's to okay. do. We've covered all of our bases. I have made the <laughs> yes. obvious prediction, and you have both. Yeah, we can't be boring, you know? <laughs> you know, really just cooked it up. So we've covered, you can let us know whose prediction you think is the best. We haven't covered every possible option, but that's basically it. We have a Fnatic victory, a Mad victory, and a G2 victory across all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Easy clap. <laughs> I mean, all people right. can say we're boring now, you know? Because if all of us three said G2 only, would yeah. win, everyone would protest. They can only say one of us is boring and it's me. Because you're both absolutely cooking right now. Which is respectable. <laughs> um, cooking. Yeah. Zed, haven't done Twitter questions in a long time. We asked for questions on Twitter. There were a ton of them. Um, one of the big ones that's been kind of consistent across this is feelings on the format. We've had a year now with the LEC format. Um Odo, I think I'll go to you first because it makes sense. What do you like about it? What do you think is hard for you when you think about this format? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think the format has huge potential. I think it just needs a little bit of tweaking. Um, one thing that I thought was really sus was that, you know, I mean, in a way, it's fair that if you suck really hard the first two splits, then it should be kind of impossible to make season finals. Because mm. for us, when we went into summer split, we were like... If you don't make top two, you're out. So it kind of just like it's it screws with you a little bit because it's like, why have a format where you can be out already after like the first three months of the year, you know? So yeah. it was it needs a little bit of tweaking there. I think the thing that would make this format be completely ballistic is if you just have roadshow for every single final. Because I think people look at the LEC or like the main criticism that I see about the LEC this year is the format because they're like Oh, there's just so many finals everywhere. Everyone is winning. So it feels like all of the finals are useless. But it's yeah. also because you're just doing them in the studio. It's, it's like you get little Timmy that is there every week in the studio watching you win. It's the same as watching you win a regular season. But then you have like the shield at the end, you know? And it's like you get to lift the shield. And then in two weeks, a new, a new split starts. 
and then you get to win it again in the same studio. So I don't know. I, I feel like if you had, let's say, you had the atmosphere from Malmo last year for your winter final, and then you have Montpellier, for example, from this year for your spring, and you just have like three road shows or four road shows even. I feel yeah. like it will it would make all of those finals feel like an actual crowning achievement, you know? Because right now, if you win in the studio, it's like it's like everyone saying everyone has like an asterisk a little bit to the Mad Lions runs, you know, where they won in the studio and they're like no one really glorifies that as much as they should just because they were like finals that are played in in a studio or like online or whatever. So I don't know. I think with some tweaking to the to the points system and maybe a little bit spectacle. better formatting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like roadshows, I think, are a must because, I mean, the fans live for that shit. So yeah. I don't know. I feel like it needs a lot. It needs some more... Some more traveling and some more energy that you get from you know the lands. I get that. I, I don't really know because I'm not like a team that works on roadshow what the logistics are of that, but I definitely understand the feeling of like wanting the finals of an individual season to feel more significant. Because I think in winter it felt sick. It felt like a big deal, even though we were playing in the studio. But by the time we did three at the end of the year, you know, and I was admittedly gone for summer, I was like, meh, meh. You know, it was like, all right. Yeah, you you were like, oh, we already had this. Yeah, it was just like it was just like another chunk of it was another chunk of the year. It was the same thing again, you know, and it didn't really have that same. And like the thing is, it's like our comparison point to go back to the old format is like, do I want that long of a regular season again? No, you know, but I did like the hype in the past of like always leading towards this big roadshow. That hype was always leading towards that that big spectacle, that big moment, you know. Yeah, agreed. I think I shared. I don't know. The finals just didn't really feel like finals. They just felt like uh, any other series. And then the celebrations at the end didn't really feel like we're celebrating much. Um, I think the the breaks were too long as well. Yeah, I think the the season finals gap was very long. So oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, bit, didn't uh, <laughs> I didn't touch on this. I didn't touch on this, but this one is the, is a huge thing. I think. What do you guys? The, so you think the like... gap the gap in season finals or the amount of games played each week in season finals? No, that like the the break from summer to season finals. Yeah, yeah. Because I get, I think I get the, how that kills momentum. Yeah, momentum. I felt like got a bit killed by it. Um, I think the last thing as well is like in the group stage, best of threes. I think there should be cross play for losing teams rather than being stuck on your own side of the bracket. If that makes sense. Because your group can just. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you didn't like. It's not like we had disastrously. No, no, no. But I think you definitely could. Yeah, but I, I, I like crossplay. I like more opportunities for different teams to yeah. play each other and best of. Yeah. We had the spring, I think it was uh, Koi versus G2. Koi beat G2. And then they met in loser bracket. And then G2 beat Koi. And then Salt happens, you know? But if you have cross group, where I feel like losers play the other group, I feel like it adds a little bit more hype that, you know, you don't lose anything by doing it, you know? basically secure getting the best team in most cases because otherwise you're just getting a rematch of like, like the Fnatic SK you get a rematch you no know, Fnatic re- reworks and they, they get better and they win um, which is like the only interesting story of like we lost them now we beat them but it's also like well if you lost them and beat them what about the team in the other group are you both better than them and one of you is now out it's like yeah there's I mean I think that 
I personally like that more, but I think there are probably arguments for both sides in the sense that it's like one, you have that path to redemption, like you get better. The worst version of that is we watch you lose to the same team twice, which is really boring. Uh, the yeah. other version of that is like you dodge the good team because you swap groups and like sentence someone else to death. So like, yeah, Koi gets to fight whoever and prove that they're good. But then someone else just walks up to the, the G2 firing line, let's say. Um, and so I, I don't think it's I prefer cross group play because I think it gives more potential mm -hmm. to see new matches. That's what I ultimately care about. Because I think that there are going to be situations where it feels good to jump over to the other group, and there are going to be situations where it feels really shit to jump over to the other group. But new matches for me as a fan, at least, always does sound more interesting. So that's like, I like that idea. I think that's cool. Um, as far as breaks go, it's like, yeah, this year's kind of tricky. Um, I'm not sure what the format looks like when Asia games, et cetera, aren't there. I do think that it was funny that people were upset about like the quantity of, like, we played two games, two best of fives a week forever, for every year of League of Legends. Um, so it was weird to me when that was a complaint, but I definitely understand like wanting not these breaks, wanting to continue to see these things go week after week in the League of Legends. They're jarred by the two best of fives per week now rather than last year. It's because every other region's been wrapped for weeks now. And it's yeah. like it's gonna drag on to like almost a month after yeah. all the regions are finished. But Whereas like last year it was still during their playoffs, I think. So it was kind of like things were overlapping. So it was kind of more hidden. about this format is so different, right? That the schedules just yeah. don't sync quite in the same way. And obviously some of that is because there are break weeks and some of those break weeks are necessary. You want to give people the time to reset, right? But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm optimistic that it's only going to get better now that we have yeah. information under our belt to, to make a better decision as the LEC. But yeah, we'll just have to see for next year. I think, I think what you guys are saying though is super valid. Um, going ahead... Boop, 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 boop. This is an easy question. Sassy FPS specifically asks, as a person who's listened to many co-streams, etc., please ask the pro and previous pro, why do pros always say it's over, it's done, it's unwinnable now after almost every fight in the game, even if it's something that happened in the third minute? Why are you guys so pessimistic? Why do you always talk about how doomed the oh game is? God. Okay, the thing is... I don't need an in-depth answer for the record. You don't have to go just, too long on this It's one. just this game is so frustrating... That the, I mean, solo queue is so frustrating that the only way to cope and get like, you know, 100 games a day is to emotionally detach yourself from the game as early as possible. That's why at minute five, if a game is really messed up, you're like, it's over. So you, you don't just pour your emotion into it, you know, because you have that like little, little tryhard in a game that is like the short caller trying to coordinate everyone, pouring everything he has into a game. And you have like a terrorist in the background that is just like completely throwing your game. So the thing is, if you go if you go full full cope and you emotionally detach yourself as early as possible, the disappointment doesn't hurt as much anymore. Lower your expectations, never be disappointed. Yeah, that was a <laughs> very. I'm actually caught off guard by how good that answer was. That's a very succinct answer. Like that actually makes a lot of sense. I thought it was just like it's. It would have been like a gameplay thing where you're just like, oh, he's four hundred gold ahead, and now it's just like might as well be doomed if he plays well. But I actually really like the point. <laughs> It's like, I mean, which all those things may also be true, but it's just like, yeah, you're just like, you're going to play this game. And the, as in a five player team based game where you're not like in comms with your opponents, a lot of the agency is out of your hand. So I actually like that. It sounds because it's initially sounds when you say it's doomed, it's over, that it's kind of like this toxic thing. But it's like, it's actually yeah. kind of a self-preservation strategy. I have yeah, to it is. It. it is. <laughs> um, 
other big thing to talk about. We've got a couple of questions about this. We can do maybe one more fun one after this one and then close out for the day. It's, it's getting to be a bit of a longer episode. BDS Golden Guardians, boys. The banger oh my God. of the century. The only Why are people worried? It's a 3-0 for BDS. Like guaranteed best of five between EU and NA this year. The only guaranteed yeah, one. That's, I'm so happy, actually, that there's a guaranteed best of five. That's so hype. You know, even though it's like... It's it's such a complete well. It's not like irrelevant. It's like it's obviously very important, but it's like such low stakes in the in the scope in the grand scope of like you know worlds crowning a world champion and everything. Yeah. You have such a such a meaningless game because it's literally like the smallest cog in the wheel, mm -hmm. but it's so hype. It's literally what everyone <laughs> has been waiting for for the whole year. I love it. I I believe in BDS. That's what I will say. I will also say that I've watched exactly two games of Golden Guardians this year thus far. Uh, I will, of course, I think I might end up casting that series. I'm not sure, but I will prep for that. So I will watch Golden Guardians. <laughs> NA fans, don't worry. But right now, I don't have to do shit because I'm not casting anything just right be, now. BDS. If you cast it, just be biased as hell and just say you're really we'll nice. We'll see. If they BDS give me them. someone next to me who's also biased as hell, then hell yeah. But that we'll would do be the double so bias cool. Guess. It would be so much better. Like the best yes. of five, like you it's and Mark C, just <laughs> going. That would be amazing. each other's yeah. teams. Yeah, Rosie plus B. Oh, nice what dive, Mark. That's a double kill for the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I, we can we get one more feature on who he's backstory? Can you add the part <laughs> where he's getting bodied? Like just <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great, bias. man. I, I would love to see as much bias as possible. Up. Yeah, I think I'll add it to my list of incredibly biased casts. <laughs> do, um, do you have any game on that list of incredibly biased casts so far? So, for some, from some fans' perspective, yes. But the only one that I objectively know was biased was when you and Yankos were playing at Katowice. Because I was a young caster at this point. It's like 26, probably 2017 Katowice. Um, when you were still with Prawley and it was that gang. I think it might it wasn't the Forgiven roster. It might have been Nuclear and... Yeah, it's Nuclear Chafe. It's 2017. Nuclear J. Um, but the entire... Believe it or not, the Polish audience was much more excited whenever you guys did something than when the enemy team, I think Flash Wolves in this case, did anything. And I didn't know how to handle that as a young caster. So every time you guys did anything, I was like, it's the greatest thing in the world! Because there's like a million <laughs> people cheering behind me and then Flash Wolves and I was like, hey, that was pretty sick. Like not understanding that I am like zero discipline, just following the energy of the crowd. So I literally said, "Oh that no!" Was great. I said, "Oh no!" When you guys lost a game, <laughs> like, Flash Wolves is winning, and Dracos is like, "Oh no! <laughs> oh no! H2K!" Oh, yeah. So that was just unashamedly not like not just like horrible casting for me. <laughs> for maybe for the Polish fans, they were excited, but uh, from an objective casting standpoint, that was that was certainly not it. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, that was great. At least I was biased for you and Yankos, though. So I, yeah. I stand by it. Screw it. I was young. Um, last question. Favorite artist to perform a world song? Really easy. From at nine Volpus. I was uh, getting nervous. Daniel Drake, Austin Vidius. I have a surprise coming out. I'm kidding. That would be sick, though. That would... <laughs> Man. Wait, so favorite artist to perform a world song? Like, is there anyone that you would want to see on a world song? Odo, I don't actually know a lot about what you listen to in terms of music. Kendrick mm -hmm. Lamar would be cool. Kendrick Lamar would be crazy. That would be very not Kendrick Lamar, but that would yeah. be sick. Yeah. I listen to rap and techno mostly, but uh, I feel like... Um, I don't know, man. 
every time they have like some orchestra, like the thing is the orchestra in Malmo was like bonkers. So for example, I don't know if they have some like orchestral shit to do. Oh, it's bro, it's Hans Zimmer, bro. It's Hans Zimmer. Yes. Yeah, actually it is Hans, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. It is Hans song. Zimmer. That would go hard. Yes, Bro, I, I, I don't. I would, as I would a world song, cry. It, I would unironically It would cry. be good. Okay, but imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine three years in the future, or yeah. whenever in the future, there's finally like a first reveal trailer of the MMO, and you find out all of the music is by Hans Zimmer. I would, I would literally cry. shit my pants. That's even better because then it teased us like, with the world thing. Bro, love me it, some Hans it, Zimmer. It would give me like the vibes, you know, it would give me exactly the vibes I had when I was like 12 or something and I first saw the, the cinematic of World of Warcraft Classic when you go into the Ooh, game. Yeah. And then you get to see the, the the dwarf and then the drums and everything and everyone just fighting to the death. And I'm like, I would get exactly the same vibes from Hans Zimmer. I would just sit in there and, and cry and mm. I would be like 30 something, but I would cry. It would be that good. I know Hans Zimmer. If he does some old songs, I, it would be it would be bowling. Hans Zimmer, let us know. Big fan of the podcast. I've heard. Hit us up. <laughs> I have no connections to the Riot Music team, but we can let's let's make something happen. Hans Zimmer, add him. Let him know we're interested. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> the only thing the that's likely finals. to come from this is me getting in trouble. <laughs> but but maybe just maybe Hans Zimmer. Um, yeah, that's it, gang. So, we have three different predictions for the finals. Montpellier, Friday is a Mia Masters finals. If you're an Mia Masters fan, K-Corp is playing. Even if you're not an Mia Masters fan, you just have to watch. Because if anyone other than K-Corp starts winning, it's going to be crazy. If K-Corp starts winning, it's going to be crazy. So, I think a Mia Masters finals is just going to bang, to be completely honest. There's an opening ceremony. Don't know a whole ton about it uh, on the finals day, but I'm sure it will be dope. Um, Hans Zimmer is there. (laughs) Hans Zimmer is there, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> surprise Hans Zimmer baby where is he showing he's up he's a K-Corp fan imagine <laughs> Big, who isn't I mean who isn't a part of the blue wall really aren't we all True. the ultras True. you can't admit to someone publicly that you're not a part of the blue wall I, I love blue be. wall I love the blue wall bless up phase up wait blue up phase up but your wall what, is whatever. brown you're a liar wall up this is a red wall and it's because I live every moment of my life in fandom of the blue wall I need some contrast at home that's true nice Boom. saves thank you Save. Your wall is white, Mark. I don't know why you're coming in here like both of you. It's because I haven't bought the place. I can't paint over it. That's not I'm how renting. it works. Wait, if you rent, can you paint the walls? You just have to put it back. But like, you're gonna have to repaint when you, you leave have... anyway. You've lived there for so long. Oh, so I, I've bought I bought something to hang up a, a jersey with T1 signatures. <laughs> oh I yeah, that's four to months come ago. Over. <laughs> I bought it four months ago. It's been sitting you in a box. told me we were going to do it a year ago. So it's <laughs> impressive. Okay, maybe it was longer than four ago. months. But you think I can paint the wall when that's been sitting there for almost a year? No, you're right. You'd probably have to pay someone to do that. But you could do that, maybe. Uh, regardless, this is it for Euphoria. It's been a wonderful year. I'm not sure what the podcast plans are for the international events, but we'll keep you guys Oh, yeah, we're posted. done. That's yeah, it. I'm not... I, and I apologize because I probably should have done some due diligence before we started this episode to figure out what the plan was for international podcasts. But we'll, again, we'll keep you guys posted on X, Twitter, Instagram, wherever. So keep your eyes peeled. We'll probably be coming through on Lolly Esports when we do global stuff. But yeah, this is it. Thank you, Odo, for being here. Thank you for your wonderful stories the past days and uh, your Yasuo top, which you have to play. It's now. coming. It's coming. It's, January. It's coming. January, you will see me spin yeah. to some minions. Odawamne 2.0. Gonna push E and Q in some order. Hasaki. Which order? You're gonna have to find out. Hasaki <laughs> indeed. Yeah, tune in. Montpellier this weekend. 
This has been episode 20, insert episode three. It's been an episode. This has been, been an, an episode. episode yeah. It's episode 23. I have an extra monitor now, unlike at the desk where we normally do it. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. I forgot to mention this was a remote episode. I trust you can all figure that out if you're in podcast land and the audio <laughs> sounds better or worse. It's because we're remote. So yeah, we'll see you next year and maybe a little bit at Worlds as well. Thanks yeah. for watching. Catch you later, gang.